where we discuss the elements of taking on a career in the arts as a young person in the modern day. So sit down, stand up, grab a tea or something stronger and come with us on our journey to find some direction in our lives. My name is Emily and with me as always is my fellow host and good friend Harry. Hello and yes, today we have another good friend from back in our school days, a fellow drama nerd currently studying a master's in broadcast journalism, a subject of which I personally, I don't really know about you Emily, but I have no idea really anything about so I'm pretty ex- I'm pretty excited, and we haven't we haven't spoken to him in a long time. So, without further ado, joining us today is the fantastic Lewis McKenzie. Would you like to introduce yourself, Lewis? Oh, wow, fantastic! That's the, the incredibly <laughs> generous of you. Um, yeah, uh, hi guys, my name's Lewis, um, but obviously you already knew that. I'm a solid 24 years old now. I Oof. went to the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire to study acting when I first left sixth form. Uh, after that, I then spent uh, a year in the industry and then uh, semi-disillusioned with the entire prospect due to uh, agent issues and uh, whatnot. Um, did a couple of jobs here and there, and then eventually um, the big Rona hit and I decided to have a, a sort of a reevaluation. had a look at some master's courses that would interest me. Uh, saw this one, popped right on it, and I'm having an absolutely marvelous time so far. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty dope. We've had a couple of people, I think, or we have a couple of people lined up who we're having similar discussions with about having one idea and changing into another. But I want to start off just a little bit with sixth form because mm-hmm. obviously we're all friends from sixth form, and we all had some pretty. How it. How would you describe sixth form? Challenging in its own way. Um, I think we all went through <laughs> some things. I think we all went we all went through some things during sixth form. Um, my favorite anecdote of which is that me and you broke our collarbones within hours of each other. Oh God! Yeah, that's true. Um, that's very which true. Through I think both of our sixth form experiences into a pretty pretty <laughs> massive spin, but. Well, it, well, it, it took my two years and extended it to a solid three years. Which, uh, <laughs> look, you which just I made the most very... of the experience, Lewis. Correct. Yeah, that's we very were true, like, kicked out of school plays in the last year as a pair. We've been through the ringer in drama. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. I'd forgotten you two had done that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, Goodness. what a time! You had it worse than me, though. To be fair, like I had to wear a sling yeah, for well, a few the, months, uh, and you. Uh, I, I remember after the, the collarbone breaking, uh, we, we were in um, uh, Kiss Me Kate together. Mm. And that was, oh, blimey, that was only, what, a good month and a bit after the initial breakage. I think you were so still in it, a sling for most of the time. Yeah, I think I remember. Yeah, and I, I was out of the sling a week before we went into uh, the actual theatre. And I remember during the show... I was heavily sedated, so it was <laughs> it was very here, there, and everywhere. But well, I remember um, they kept, I, you kept getting told off for not learning, like not knowing your lines properly, and you'd learnt them. But I think you were yeah. just drugged up. I was just high on the meds. I was very high. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I only forgot the name of the show during the show. Oh, so. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> it's not it's not a huge issue, unless your line is "So kiss me, Kate." And you totally, <laughs> you totally blank, <laughs> and everyone is looking at you, and then your friend just whispers to you, "Yo, bro, it's kiss me, Kate, man." <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, so kiss me, Kate." 
I think I remember I was in the dressing room when that happened and I literally oh. just buried my head in my hands. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I barely remember oh, yeah. anything about Kiss Me Kate either. And like, remind me of the plot of Kiss Me Kate, please. <laughs> Why can't I right. remember it? It's, 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 it's a solid... Oh, you really put me on the spot here. There's this bloke, right? <laughs> called um, Frederick C. Graham. And he's, he's this big old big time producer, actor, director and all, all the whatnot. And he's putting on a musical version of Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. And he's cast himself as the lead. And he's got his ex playing um, yes. uh, the, his, his love interest, uh, Catherine, in, in the show. And um, uh, all hell sort of essentially breaks loose. You've got this gangster side plot going on, which arguably is better than the main plot. Um, <laughs> yes, I and I yeah. now remember because I'm. Try- I think why I, it's because it's like it's like two plays at the same time. Half of the play is mm-hmm. the actual production of this musical Taming of the Shrew, and then the other half is like behind the scenes. Well, I remember. Weird domestic. I remember for some reason most of the years when we did these school plays, they had this. They they just kept being sort of plays about putting on there was plays about, and stuff. Yeah, there was a about lot of three years. Like, or like films. Yeah. Which were plays yeah, about so, plays. Yeah, it was, it was producers, which is obviously people trying to put on yeah. a play. Yeah. And then you had Mac and Mabel, which was about people filming and putting on a production. Uh, and then obviously Kiss Me Kate, which is a play within a play. So yeah, um, as I lovingly remember it, it was the, the McCrowan dynasty of plays <laughs> who directed all three. Yeah. He just had a thing for plays within plays. I've got some lovely memories of of the PGS shows. They did. They made you feel so so like like a really big mm. fish in a really big yeah. pond, and they made they did make you feel fantastic because yeah. obviously it's an, it's a superb experience going onto these big stages at such a young age yeah. and like having all the tech around you, this fantastic costumes, set design. We were really, really privileged we really to be given that opportunity. Just for context, yeah. our, school, our school productions were put on in a local professional theatre rather than in like the school theatre or hall or, or whatever. So it really was, it was such a great experience. And I think for, well, I guess all three of us, you know, I remember the first time we were backstage there yeah. and just being so excited. Thoroughly informative. Um, and, you know, it was a huge theatre to perform to. And because it was a massive school, they mostly got decent sized audiences, even if it was just everyone's parents who were sort of mm-hmm. dragged along. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I distinctly remember um, it was one of the uh, matinee performances. Well, I say performances. We, 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 we went in and did a dress run and people were, were allowed in to Open dress, watch I believe, is what they called it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And um, just this random woman came in. Uh, and she sat down and watched it, and she she sort of semi accosted me outside, and she's like, "Oh, that was really really good." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool." So who are you here to see? She's like, "Oh no, I'm just you know, local Barbara. <laughs> I'm just coming to see the show." She was like, "Oh, that's very nice. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it." Barbara from Portsmouth. Barbara from Portsmouth. Yeah, good. Yeah. She's well known Beat in dog. the review scene. For, for theatre in Pompeii. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, she actually massively slated it in the yeah. reviews. It was horrendous. Secret plant. I couldn't show my face around that town ever again. <laughs> so did you know that you wanted to go on to study acting beyond school before you got to PGS, or was that something you decided during Well, it was, it, it was an interesting one. Um, I knew that uh, I really, really enjoyed doing it. Um, it's always something that I've definitely thought about. But when I went to PGS... Um, I 
it's 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 a bit yeah like it's a bit of a strange one my entire school life i knew that i wanted to be an actor but then i got my gcse results and they were like i mean my brother he, he's a doctor now and i got better gcse results than him so i then thought oh um i i, I need to i need to like do something bit bigger with this uh, i i don't want to just be be an actor and then after doing acting uh, at, at the grammar school, I, I sort of realised actually, do you know what this th- this is so much better. I I, I don't care. I, I I this I know that this is what I want to do. Um, so then when I got the offer from Royal Birmingham, or as it was known at the time, uh, Birmingham uh, School of Acting, uh, I was absolutely overjoyed. Uh, especially because the, the the system of auditioning for acting schools is so brutal and. Mm-hmm horrendous as soon as you have any positive feedback you honestly do feel like breaking down and crying where Uh, else did you end up applying oh blimey how much time have you got um (laughs) (laughs) i auditioned for 12 oh my goodness uh, and all all the big ones and then i ended up getting offers from four Um, it's a pretty solid conversion rate yeah yeah yeah, no i i I was i was but considering that it's what what it's i think it's I mean, for some for some of the big ones, it's like less than zero point zero one percent get in. Mm. So four four out of um, like twelve is is pretty 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 decent. Um, but no, I ended up getting offers from a really good one. Uh, it was called. Um, uh, so obviously, I got the one from BSA Birmingham. Um, I had Guildhall London. I also got an offer from Bath Spa. Mm. Uh, which very interesting one. They had uh, well, obviously, drama UK officiated schools mm. don't exist anymore. But they, like, it was considered like if, if you had you drama UK officiation, then yeah, no, you, you're a big drama school. But mm. when, when I went there, it, it really did seem like a step back from doing the stuff at uh, grammar school. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, no. The, the, the facilities there were. Um, that they were good and i thought that they're like they had a lot of um musical courses there so they could all integrate and all that and it was it was, it was very good facilities but i just got this very like amateur-esque feeling when i was there so uh, i i very kindly thanked them uh, and mm-hmm. then um, moved on and i believe the last school was um I think god i can't remember i honestly cannot remember how <laughs> bad is that too many drama schools oh clearly yeah i'm, I'm, I'm suffering here i'm suffering <laughs> but um no the, the the whole process was horrendous especially like when, when you go to like some of the big ones like you know lambda mm. rada mm. You've, you've got to pay extortionate amounts yeah, massive. i yeah. mean even 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 when i went it was what 50 pounds per audition and Gosh. sometimes the, the the people conducting the audition wouldn't you look up from their phones, and you're like, "Excuse, I, I actually stopped halfway through one of my monologues I was doing from King Lear, and I said, I'm really sorry. Do you mind if I start again? It's just um, you're really putting me off." Um, <laughs> did you get into that school? No, I did not get a recall. Uh, 
But I thought, look, look, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I, I've paid 55 quid to be here. Yeah. No, good I, I, for you, I, I want, I, I do want, and also I, I, I did feel like throwing my weight around because at this point I'd already had an offer. <laughs> so I thought, <laughs> well, it's all right. Um, you know I am. But no, <laughs> yeah, I walk in with my cape. It's like swoosh. <laughs> do you know who you're talking to anyway? Um, and I mean, I, I was looking at it the other day even though Drama UK have, have ceased existence, and that was one of the reasons why a lot of these schools justified uh, these high audition prices, they still, uh, I mean, they've gone up, I think, to audition for RADA. It's like 70 quid now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think we've had a couple of, we've had a couple of people who are talking, who's spoken about auditioning for it, and they are like a bit confused mm. by just the level of monetary output required to get, not even a place, right? Like it's, it's to get a mm. chance. That seems... Yeah, it just seems it seems a bit absurd. Not entirely I'm, fair. I'm sure they have their reasons. Um, mm. I can imagine it's you know, I'm sure it's been very thought through. But it does seem, yeah, I don't know. So what was what was the course like then? Just kind of going through. So you know, you've you've made it through all your auditions and all that kind of stuff, and you've got your you know you've you've paid your fifty quids. What's <laughs> how is the how is the was it three years three year course? Yeah, three years, uh, three three long years. Um, oh, Ooh. no. To be fair, it, it wasn't it wasn't too. It, no, I, I did really enjoy my time there. I made some absolutely cracking friends who I still talk to on a regular daily basis. But um, the one thing that I would say about all I, I've I've noticed this about the majority of acting schools, it really really is like a bubble, and they do not prepare you enough for when that bubble bursts and you're out in the real right. world. Um, a common theme. I th yeah, yeah, we've spoken about that quite a lot on this on this podcast. When um, in first year they're, they're, they're telling you all these marvellous things, like, oh yes, well, when I all the teachers are t regaling you of their marvellous mythical stories about when they were professional actors and then in the back of your mind you're like, oh, this is so cool, we're being taught by this person, it's going to be amazing can't wait to be in the position that they're in and then looking back on it you're like well hang on <laughs> hang on hold up hold up what, what when why did you trade being on the west end to come and teach at school then <laughs> so mm -hmm. oh, i don't i don't recall that 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 being a, a general career progression um however I, I i wouldn't say that it was a bad experience i loved uh, pretty much every single day what i would say though is that Unfortunately, given the actual content of said degree, it does open itself to a lot of corruption. Mm. And How whenever, so? oh blimey, um, just little, very small things at first, but then when you look into it, you're like, that's really bad. I mean, for example, um, when I was at uh, Birmingham, we were in second year and we were always told you have to attend at least 80% of the classes to pass that module mm. but then you would <laughs> uh, and then you all of a sudden you start noticing that certain people don't turn up to certain lessons like for example if somebody didn't enjoy singing that much but they wanted to be a like a very straight actor they didn't want to do any singing or dancing and then you start no like very notable absences from certain classes and you think well hang on it's 10 okay so there's 10 uh sessions per term so if they miss two that means they've got to redo the term yeah that, that that's how it's supposed to work 
okay, well, this person's not turned up to a single lesson. I wonder how that's affected them. And then one year in second year, we were talking to one of our singing teachers and we said, just as a joke, let's have a look at the attendance records and see, because we always do attendance and then it gets written on a little bit of paper, gets taken off. And then that's the last we see of it. Mm. And then he looked at the attendance papers uh, online to see um, how everyone's doing. And there was um, essentially, there was this one guy who he prided himself on never missing a single day, even when he was quite sick. Uh, he would still come in, sit in the corner and take notes. Mm. So we were expecting like 100% across the board, superb. Nobody had any signed in days. Everyone was absent for the past year and a bit. Oh, so no one was taking track except except for this one guy who didn't turn up to a single singing lesson or dance lesson and they'd been signed in for lessons that hadn't even happened yet what ah oh. and it's it does it and then there was also this like running gag about always oh, always probably just you know joshing with some of the teachers and we're just like oh this like open joke it was a very open uh even the person who uh who, who it was about we we joke we joked with them saying like oh, oh i bet you're doing this i bet you're doing that very very funny mm. um <laughs> which at the end of the day it probably didn't happen but they were a very troublesome troublesome person who often got in a lot of uh predicaments that they definitely shouldn't shouldn't have been in um, so on that basis, we were a little bit like, oh, maybe it's because they're very, they're very talented, but we don't, but we don't want to lose them. Um, because it would look, first of all, look really bad on the score. And it would also be such a massive waste of talent because the last thing we want to do is, um, take away this, uh, acting degree, which is going to be such a fantastic key for you in the future. If this is a career that you want to go down, it, you don't want to take that away from someone. Uh, just because they don't want to be a singer or a dancer. Uh, and then obviously on more sort of levels of weird corruption, you've got, I mean, Christ, what was it? When I was in third year, there was that whole scandal at Drama Centre. Yes, I was about that. Yeah, blimey. I think it was something that they stopped the intake of actors because they found out obviously, please uh, fact check this because you know how it is. Things get passed. It's like you know the, the whispers go oh, yeah and you don't you don't know what's entirely true but the more and more you look into it the more you realize that it turns out that if you were a female who got into acting school if you if you were a female that got into drama center at this certain period of time there's a decent chance that you uh, exchanged a few favors to get in and unfortunately while that does sound like a grotesque lie um the articles and uh, subsequent uh, case uh, uh, court cases proved otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I believe that that is still ongoing, so um, it's it's still up for debate. But it, it does, given begs the question, how, yeah. and also even the fact that there's an opportunity for that to be a way to get in, mm. it means that there's some sort of flaw in the system, surely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's there's no there's, there's no smoke without fire. That that's yeah. what I'm trying to get to. I, I mean, even like one, one of my friends, um, she had another friend who was who who went to um, another acting school in London, and this was quite a long time ago. 
and she told us this story all about how um, she knows for a fact that Kevin Spacey is 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 a bit of a diddler. Mm. And then we we all sort of like we, we sort of roll our eyes and say, oh yeah, all right, yeah, all right. Well, let, let's hear it then. Let's hear it then. And then apparently her friend who was at an acting school at the time went to go and see a play he was in, said he was fantastic, uh, and then was, was, was stage-doored him, asked for an autograph, and said, oh, I'm, I'm a student actor as well. Is there anything like advice that you can mm. give me? He said, yeah, no, let's talk about it over dinner. And went, oh, wow, yeah, sounds brilliant. Of course, you're not going to pass up an opportunity like that. So he goes to dinner and then he starts like touching him up on the table. And then we... and then this is at the moment where a lot of us would just tune out and say, I think this is a little bit like tall tales. You don't really think that this actually happened. And then sure enough, what about a year and a bit yeah. later it came out and I, I'd be the, I'd be the first one to uh, tell Amelia. I was like, do you know what? I totally did not believe that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah. no, um, I, I, I believe that now hundred percent. And I find it hilarious that his excuse was, um, Oh yeah, um, I was a very different person back then, but I'm now living as a, a proud gay man. Oh, the whole you think, ha- hang the on, whole, that, the that, whole thing that, was that, an absolute that, cavalcade. That, like, oof. yeah, it's it's shocking, difficult, shocking stuff. And the most difficult thing about it is that. So, I've been quite surprised actually, and how much we've talked about the the side of it that you know isn't mm. quite the the uglier bit of it. But from a perspective mm. of, you know, strange optimism of the, I mean, you know, we'll get on to the fact that after you came out of, of, of your degree, you know, you took a bit of a different direction and whatnot. But it's mm. interesting trying to level up the balance of the ideal of what we want the industry to be and all of the good things that come out of performance and film and, and art and, you know, the important stuff that, that and the reasons, I mean, the last... I believe one of the recordings we did, we were talking about the necessity of art in order to have conversations and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Alongside that then, especially in the last few years, like the fall down of Hollywood, the corruption, the kind of the the disparity between the kind of top of the food chain and the bottom of the food chain and the steps mm-hmm. that people take mm-hmm. to kind of get over one another. Like it's a, there's some dark, dark corners in these industries and yeah, it, it's it sets a very terrifying precedent right? knowing that it happens at all levels yeah. absolutely yeah. all levels Oof. and the people the people right at the bottom who are arguably the most vulnerable yeah um you see you see it not only in the acting world but blimey there was the whole uh it's it's just it's it's just come out um in the press that it happens in in the football leagues as well mm. yeah that um people at the lowest point Grassroots who, who football, are yeah. desperate desperate to get into into the main scene feel compelled to perform um sexual acts on their superiors just to get ahead and i think it's these you know it's these very very oversubscribed industries that people are desperate to get into mm. and they're also industries whereby if someone's influential enough they have the power to basically say okay this person's in mm. and a lot of whether it's um theater film tv football I guess as well a lot of it's decided by in you know a lot of it is who you know gets in gets the job yeah mm-hmm. um there is a lot of nepotism that still goes on and i think a lot of these industries have started to take steps to yeah. to reduce that but there's still a lot of it there which by the same means allows people to 
use those same systems that people might go, well, actually, I work with this person on this project. I think they were great. So let's get them on board for this. Also allows them to basically you use that same system to to people's sort of yep. detriment mm. and to abuse them. You're never going to completely erode the who you know, not what you know, per, you know, perimeter that outlines so many of these big industries that are, you know, kind of top of Olympus style of well, you know, how do you how do mm. you climb that mountain? And mm. I think the more that we take steps to A, to recognize it, and I think the more that we come around to the, the you know, the perspective that we, I think a lot of people we've talked about, you know, are very, I mean, even you saying earlier in your audition, just saying to someone who's not paying attention to you, look, you know, I have, you know, a value to be here and whether or not you're going to accept me for an audition or not, you need to, you know, pay attention and i think there's a lot coming yeah. through the the bottom of the the bottom of the food chain is way too harsh and probably horrible rhetoric but mm. there's a lot of you know i would argue people like us who recognize who aren't unreasonable about our discussions about it or anything like that we're not screaming or trying to you know overthrow anything we just reel about our presence and how, how we well, want the industry to be the bottom of the food chain of voice isn't it well, exactly i should also prefix all of this by saying I have literally just picked the one key bad point, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, like, uh, Royal Birmingham Conservatoire is an absolutely stupendous acting school to go to. It's partnered up with um, the, the music side of things. When, uh, when I, like, like I said, when I joined, it was Birmingham School of Acting, and there was this other place called Birmingham Conservatoire, which is Julian Lloyd Webber's school for yeah. um, uh, marvellous musicians. Obviously, it's not called that, but anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Sounds like, like but that then, film. some magical emporium. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we we merged with them, so then we, uh, and then it became Royal Birmingham Conservatoire, got royal patronage, and you know, they really lifted the status of the school. Yeah, it, it sounds a lot better when you tell people that you're from the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire. Fancy, <laughs> incredibly so, uh, and it. The actual school is amazing. Um, they've got plans to expand. They took me on, uh, took me on on so many different projects. If you needed help with anything, they were there for you. You meet an incredibly diverse cast of just, just uh, you know, just fantastic people. Mm. And I mean, my main, uh, my main pull away from all of it was um i i was given the opportunity to have a european tour of of a, of a play that we devised in the show and the school paid for the entire thing and we, and we toured across we toured across europe with it oh, i say we toured across europe it was called our european tour but we only went to um <laughs> we only went to serbia twice <laughs> uh still counts that's it it's it's still it was a little bit awkward though because we explore themes of you know like homicide genocide and all these horrible things and there's this song there was this song that we sing called Twenty Eight Thousand, and we sing it in english um purely because well i mean we don't know serbian and um the fact that the song is actually about the twenty-eight thousand uh uh residents of kosovo that went missing during the serbian kosovo uh, succession war, mm. <laughs> and 
it, it, see, we were just like, oh, this is either going to go amazing, guys, or we're going to need ambulances. Yeah. So <laughs> we're never going to be seen again. 28,000 yeah, actually 12 or however big your cast was. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, um, halfway through one of the shows, uh, some guy broke into the broke into the theatre and stole all the cast's money and wallets. What? <laughs> so may- maybe that was some sort of political, politically motivated move. Or yeah, maybe, maybe that was some, some an audience burglar. member from the night before. Yeah, it was like... Yeah, I'll he, show he him. Absolutely livid. <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, like uh, it, it, it was, it, we, he didn't manage to steal that much. We are still students at the end of the day. It's not exactly the highest, you know. Yeah. Easy to steal. And it's got to be said, like, yeah, that that I would say is a fantastic thing that drama schools do give you the opportunity. They give you the opportunity to be who you want to be in a professional mm. world, and they mm. give you the tools that you need to start that journey. I mean one of the amazing things about going to a drama school is that they certify you to have things like um, a showcase and they give you the opportunity to get a spotlight. Mm. They tell you who the best people are to have like agencies, best people to get headshots with. And they really do try and mold you into the actor that you want to be. And that's something that I don't think any other course can effectively give to you the way that an, a, the way that an acting drama school can give to you. Mm. I mean, I, I was quite unlucky with uh, my agent leaving um, acting school. I I was not picked up at showcase. I was one out of no. I think there were like four or five of us in the entire cohort that didn't get agents, and I was mm. one of them. So what I ended up doing was I, I sat down and I said, no, this is this is bollocks. This is what I'm going to do. I know my worth and I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down and I collected the names, the numbers and the emails of every single uh, agent that I could find in London. And it is a list of 300 names, numbers and emails long. Oh my goodness. And I sat down for three days and I emailed, called everything to each and every one of them asking, I would say out of that 300, I'd say about what? Maybe I got 100 emails back. And then out of that 100, I'd say maybe 25 of them said, gave me a positive response, but a rejection. And the rest were just no. And then out of that 25, I would say, I think it was five, five agents got back. Mm. And then the that's where the really important work starts in research, research, research these agencies. Mm. So that's what I did. And uh, I then ended up going with uh, this group called Talent, no, uh, no, 34 Talent Agency or something like that. I can't remember exactly what they were called. And um, I had this really good agent. He had a really good record. Um, so, so I ended up going with him. And I got some marvelous auditions. I remember I, I was about to go on holiday with my girlfriend. And um, <laughs> uh, I got an audition on the cruise. And he just said to me, just like, yeah, I, this is a big opportunity that you can't waste this one, can't we? Oh, okay, fine, fine. And I ended up sitting in, in, in the toilet in, in, in our little cruise cabin, recording lines on my phone and sending no. them off. And I, I had my girlfriend in the next room being like, like knocking on the door. And Tim was like, yeah, Lois, that was a real good one. You should send that. 
Yeah, it, 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 and then it just it it spiraled horrendously after that. Um, was that because I, of COVID or? No, this is this oh. is. Uh, I want. I, I now. I, want, I need you to clear your minds. Imagine a time <laughs> before coronavirus. Oh, I know. Very. Oh. I know. I'm it's very late. difficult. Immensely difficult, in fact. But please, just bear with me. And uh, I went and I managed to nail this voice acting job for a video game. Hmm. And um, it's it's an it's an ongoing project, or else I'll tell you more about it. But I can't unfortunately, which is very cool to say, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I went there, I did the audition, they really liked it, went away, got a recall, came back, and then it was down to like the me and a few other guys. Uh, you meet some fantastic people in audition rooms, by the way. I, I once met like Arnold Schwarzenegger's nephew. He's a really cool guy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry, I just dropped. I think that that's our second, name that's our second name drop <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> and and essentially, uh, I, I I got the role. It was really good. Uh, I got set up on a contract with them, which was uh, just under three hundred pounds an hour. And I thought, damn, this is lit. This is marvelous <laughs> news. I cannot wait to to like really get my teeth into this. So I did my recording sessions. Really good stuff. I told them yeah get in contact with my agent for payment because he gets a cut obviously yada 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 and i'd say this was in about october time um and uh, a bit more time passed and the, the people at the people at the agency said um oh have you have you definitely made sure that you've given them the right details yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah sure 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 and i thought that oh, well that's a bit of a weird thing to say i thought as the agency Red. it's their job to Red look flag. after my money yeah. I thought, okay, cool, yeah, um, yeah. The, the first of many red flags, in fact. And uh, so I, I was really, really excited, really, really buzzing. It's my first proper big job after leaving uh, after leaving drama school and getting the agent. I thought, this is I'm on the right tracks. This is exactly where I wanted to be in my business plan. And then uh, I got, uh, I went back. Uh, to the to the people to, to the rec to the recording studio at, um, at Pinewood, and they said, uh, "Yeah, Lewis. Um, so we're going to be changing some things in your contract. Is that all right?" And I thought, "Oh God, oh. Is, is 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 this going to be good?" They went, "Yeah, no, we're going to knock it up to five hundred pounds an hour." And I was like, "Oh, brilliant! What fantastical news!" <laughs> he says, "Oh, do you want me to send it to the last place we sent it to?" And I thought, "Oh, so you've already sent the first batch?" I went. Yeah, man, we, we, we sent that like Ooh. a week after you did the work. Oh. And I thought, oh, okay. So then I get in contact with my agent pretty much immediately after the session's over. And then I say, um, hey, look, buddy, um, we I think we might have a small problem. They've already sent the money over. Have you guys got it? And then he went, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, let, me, let, me, let me just check with our offices. Because at this agency, they had like... 12 agents and two people in accounting mm. and so it might have just got mixed up somewhere yeah um time passed and they said oh no well we'll we'll let you guys know um and then there was like this group email that went out to all of the actors that were represented by us and he said um right there's been an issue we're, we're gonna get you money to you asap oh fantastic stuff brilliant a little bit of time passed a little bit more time passed and at this point i hadn't had an audition in just over a month mm. And I thought mm -hmm. I, I'd rather just go get a nice little job down my local. And I ended up pulling pints down at the Wheelwright Arms in Havant. And it's got to be said, I, I, I absolutely loved it. 
It was so fun. Yeah, you, you, Working in pubs is cracking. You bumped into my parents at that point. At that point. I did. I did, yeah. <laughs> God, I bumped into quite a lot of people, actually. I bumped into Emma Reed. Oh, yeah. Who, who, who played, co-star. Uh, for your listeners. For your listeners at home, uh, who was my co-star in Kiss Me Kate. And we had a lovely catch-up. And uh, yeah, no, so I had a superb time there. Uh, I was slowly working my way up through the ranks, actually. I was like, oh, God, this is getting a, bit, getting a little bit too uh, permanent for me. But no, I had a burger named after me. Oh, I was loving life. Um, and then one cold winter night, it was on, gosh, it would have been, what, two weeks before Christmas. Hmm. Uh, and... I had an email from the agency. I thought, oh, good. Finally, some more, some news. How great. Opened up the email and it said, um, if you are receiving this email, then you are, then you are, well, actually it didn't say that. It said, if you're receiving this email, you were represented by 34 talents. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. And I thought, oh, okay. What, what's wrong? I just went, well, uh, this is a courtesy email to let you know that the agency is going into liquidation. I thought, oh, Ooh. right, that's that's a bit of a kicker. How that's awful. And I knew like two other people who were with this agent, so I messaged them immediately and said, oh god, what on earth's going on? So, oh, well, 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 let's just see what happens. And then we were, then obviously I emailed back saying, so am I going to be seeing my money? Didn't hear a thing from it. And then I was calling and calling and calling my agent, who eventually rang back and said, look, Lewis, I, I don't know. I, I know as much as you do. They are, I'm owed a lot of money, and by by this point, I don't. Just under about, I think it was just under about like what two, three grand, and I was mm. I was really really waiting on getting this money. Yeah. And then we had another email saying, if you are owed money, you will get it. You just have to wait. Right. Time passed. Time passed, and I am yet to see that money. Oh my. And that was what 2019. Yeah, that well, that was the start of twenty twenty. So right, that was before. Yeah, that was before COVID. So, so wow. as you can imagine, I was already very disillusioned wow. with with the acting world. And then on top of that, I thought, I know what I'll do. I pay my subscription to Equity, and they cover me for this sort of stuff. And right. I got in contact with a very nice gentleman at Equity, and we had a lovely long conversation, all about how I can claim my money back, and then. He gave me another call and said, right, I've just spoken to my boss. And um, did you say that they've gone into liquidation? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, ah, right, yes. Um, bad news, uh, you can't claim anything. What? what? <laughs> I was like, well, hang on. I pay my subscription to you guys. It's over 120 quid a year to be covered by you guys. And I've got my little equity card right here with my little equity number on it. And on the back, it says that you are personally covered for up to 20 million pounds. <laughs> and, uh, and then they went, yeah, no, unless they go into liquidation, in which case we c- th- they uh... literally have nothing to give. <laughs> well, all right, great. And then I was doing a bit more research, and it turns out that the guy who owned uh, the agency um, had done this several times before. He just starts new agencies, gets agents, gets loads of money, uh, and then shells it off somewhere else, goes into liquidation, and starts it fresh. Oh, my. And it's quite funny. Since, since then, he started a new agency, and it's gone into liquidation. What? <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so the the takeaway story from that is if you do get an offer from an agency, um, do your research. 
I thought I did. But just be really, really clear and very careful uh, because it can massively blow up in your face. It does have, this story does have a happy ending though. I okay. did end up with another agency. I did end up with another agency. Yeah. And um, I, I told them this harrowing tale and they basically said, oh, that's really rubbish. And from then on, I said, look, I don't want to be that guy who you have to put up with, but all the work that I personally source from this video game project, I want to keep 100% of the money. And they said, that's fine. Uh, we that's we totally understand you do that. Because I think in this industry, you really do have to put your foot down oh, every yeah. now and again, oh, just yeah. to let people know that you can't get pushed around. Because yeah, as soon as you let get pushed around, even, even with your agent, wow. who you're supposed to have a very, very close relationship with, you do every now and again have to say, look, I'm sorry, but this is, this is awful. Um, I, I'm, I'm not happy with this. And as soon as I did that, they they really did respect me and they said that yeah no we we totally understand that um so any money that you get from this project in the future and any any money that you get from it you can keep 100% of it we will not take any cutting there was a decent there's a decent period in the middle where i was my own agent and i i've formed this really good relationship with casting through oh that's a really good bit of advice by the way form good relationships with casting directors they really really help you i know like all this casting directors kids i know what her dogs are called uh, i know for a fact that her king edward carrots did really well last year you gotta you gotta get really good in there with them wow and then hopefully they put you up for more stuff and um i had an email from them um not too long ago essentially saying that they want me back for another audition um not an audition for more video game recording stuff Amazing. from from may until september oh, which is sweet. excellent that's stuff fantastic. so that's so hopefully yeah. the money's going to be coming in pretty quickly wow <laughs> well uh i try my best not to swear too much on this podcast but holy shit <laughs> <laughs> and, and even after all of that i still want to go to auditions Damn, so dude. what is your position now? Because obviously, so you've now started say. Um, this master's in broadcast journalism. So are you still doing acting stuff alongside of it? Yeah, is your plan no, to I, I, keep I'm, doing that? I'm, or? I'm, I'm currently doing, my, as you said, my master's in broadcast journalism. And it's going really, really well so far. And all I did was tell my agent, look, I'm doing my master's. I'm in London. Um, can you please only put me up for short recorded media? i.e. voiceover work, um, acting to camera, uh, acting for radio plays, that sort of thing. So it wouldn't impact too heavily if I do have to just go for like two days. Because if it's a theatre thing, that's all my evenings taken up. That means yeah. that when it's the performance week, I have to drop everything and go and do that. So I just said to them, I know the majority of the work that I've been getting in is for musicals and for theatre, but I just want to do recorded media for now. And if you are with a good agent, they will respect what you want, especially if you are assertive with them. Because at the end of the day, it's a two-way relationship. They're not your manager. You're not their manager. You are earning them money. They are getting you jobs. Mm. It, it's it, it's a lot of young actors forget that, uh, that they forget that you have to work as hard for them as you as they have to work for you. And if there's not that mutual respect there, you're not going to get anywhere. 
if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. And I think it's a really good piece of advice. And it, I think it's probably also the sort of thing I expect a lot of people actually learn this lesson a lot further down the line. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I guess I'm just trying to look for silver linings out of what can only be described as an absolutely awful situation. Yeah, wow. But um, I guess at least you've sort of had that had that lesson really yeah. early on. But um, as far as the course is going, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. I thought that with my, the skills that I learned on the acting course, mm. I'd massively prefer being in front of the camera. But so far, uh, it turns out I thoroughly enjoy bossing a people around behind the camera. And hey, it turns out join that... me. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's really, it's got to be said, obviously, knowing all of the stage management course and uh, all this hoopla behind the scenes, when I was given the opportunity to be floor manager on one of our news days, I, I, was, I, was, I was on the I was on the cans. That's what I, I do. Yeah. We haven't spoken uh, in ages. I currently work in TV um, and I'm an assistant floor manager. Oh wow, that's so cool! Well, um, if you well, if you if you know any jobs going, please send them my. What a way. question! But uh, <laughs> I think Emily was about to ask but, you uh, exactly the same thing. Yeah, there's nothing. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still a lonely student so far, so I'll I'll take any any paid work that comes my way. But so far, it's going really really well. Good. Um, it turns out I really enjoy. Uh, that being the program editor, doing everything behind the camera, sorting everything out. And then on on the off days, I'll go for auditions uh, and do a little bit of recording here and there. And yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that at the awesome. moment. But um, like obviously when when COVID hit, that I, I sort of knew because I saw that the way that everyone was treating the pandemic, it wasn't going to last how long the government said it was going to last. Oh, so yeah. I did choose... I chose to, instead of spending the next, because at the time I thought it was going to be like, what, maybe five months. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to spend that time inside doing nothing. So I thought I'd go and apply for a master's. Yeah. So I applied and then I eventually got in for the academic, for, well, for this, I mean, yeah, for like the September that we've just had. And, um, and then obviously the pandemic was just extending, extending, and extending. As, and I thought, as you know we what? Sit it's, here it's not on its one-year anniversary recording. <laughs> oh my goodness, this. it is. Yes, yeah. of course it is. Yeah, we had we had the one-minute silence yep. today for the start of the pandemic. Yep. One Blimey, one year into that? our two-week quarantine, as yeah. the meme goes. If if you told like a year ago me that it's going to be easily over a year, I think I might have broke down and cried. I think we all that, would it's have. Just, I think I did anyway. still sometimes fancy it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, I've got a free afternoon. I'll, I'll just sit in the dark room. <laughs> yeah. oh, sit top, top notch. Yeah, Fantastic man. stuff. Wild. Oh, anyway, I think that's quite a good point to um, move on to. I don't know if well, I was explained to you, but we like to play a little game. I was, I was oh, going to bring this up because we haven't spoken very much about broadcast journalism. Uh, and I've de oh, sorry, and I designed this brief around that. And I have no idea if it's relevant. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay no hit me hit so me. essentially right so the idea behind the the, the game it's not really mm -hmm. a game it's more of a kind of you know thought experiment i think um and I so like essentially i did a philosophy degree i have to make it sound intellectual it's just the way my well i did goes. drama have fun and play i did <laughs> i did both i did both anyway so essentially what we're, what i'm going to give you is a vague brief and we, I just want, mm -hmm. we just want you to take us through your thought process, how you dissect the brief, how maybe you, you know, attack the problem, etc. Now, I understand mm -hmm. having not, 
my plan was, I know, we'll get him to talk about broadcast journalism, and then I'll be able to tweak this on the fly and, and make it make sense. So if this makes no sense, <laughs> roll with it. So mm-hmm. you've been asked to uh, produce a report on a piece of, 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 of new student theater. Uh, it's a rendition of a Shakespeare play, mm-hmm. um, whichever play you would like. Um, however, you've seen it. You're not particularly thrilled by its execution. It doesn't. It's not good. It's not bad. It doesn't really excite you. So, you're not writing a review. But how do you go about mm-hmm. your response? Be it in your production of the response, or if it's because you're compelled to do it for deadline reasons. I really don't know how broadcast journalism <laughs> works. Um, okay. <laughs> I think. I think. That, well, I mean, the first thing that I think about is that what we're taught: uh, what is the new and the now. So in terms of that story, the new would probably be uh, that this that the students are putting on this this production. I, I assume how how old are said students? We'll, we'll go university. We'll go twenties. Let's not let's not bring okay. the kids so, into this. So yeah, there's uh, there's no legal matter. There's no there's no legal issues. So that's fine. We can skip that. But um, in terms of that, yeah, you need to find out what the new and the now is. So it'll probably be this production being put on. You need to think of a, a, a fun angle that's going to be equal parts entertaining and engaging for your new audience. So I'd probably pick something in particular that stood out. For example, maybe there was like a, a like a, I don't know, like a, a section of pyrotechnics in the show. And I'd, I'd focus predominantly on that. So, oh, pyrotechnics... Uh, flare up a new discussion about Shakespeare and then I'd probably talk to people after the show we do these things called vox pops which are voice of the people um and I'd probably interview them and talk about like oh what did you think of the show rather than my opinion I'd get a general gist of what audiences thought about it and then because I'd try and anchor it back to this the headline I would say, oh, so what did you think of the pyrotechnics? Did you expect that in a Shakespeare performance? Has it changed your idea of what you thought Shakespeare could be? Um, and obviously, because it's Shakespeare, you don't really have to worry about any context issues. I think the only people that will be upset are a bunch of you know, English graduates that would be like, oh, you can't do this to Shakespeare. Fire's not a thing. Um, <laughs> yes, they did not have fire during Shakespeare. Well, I, I think last in time I remember, last time fire was in the globe, it didn't really end too well. Oh yeah, <laughs> to, I think the Wanamakers had to rebuild it somewhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's sort of the general process that I would go through if I were to write an article about it. I I, I wouldn't just set, go with local students put on production. I'd find mm. something new, fun, exciting, engaging, focus on that, and then say, by the way, this also happened around this Shakespeare play. Because the last thing we also want to do is treat something as an advertisement for mm. something. For example, um, a lot of my uh, journalistic buddies uh, would be doing... Um, this thing about um, Easter eggs being handed out to elderly people who uh, can't see their families this Easter. Brilliant stuff. But then throughout the entire article and pieces to camera, they they accidentally just did not consider product placement. And the entire thing ended up looking like an advert for Cadbury's. <laughs> so the last thing I want to do is try and make it an advert to to go for people to go and see this show i'd try and make it an engaging article about a certain aspect of the show Mm. nice well done i like that you've wrangled that better Um, than uh better than i think the brief warranted so good job (laughs) (laughs) 
And before we let you go, we also like to give everyone 30 seconds to plug whatever you want, whether it's you, whether it's stuff you're doing, anything like that. The wheel rights, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I don't work there anymore, so I can plug them, but it won't benefit me tremendously. Okay, you ready? Blimey, I don't really have anything going on other than my course. I I suspect I can plug my own social media. Say something. You have airtime for 30 seconds. Do what you want with it. Uh, Sure thing. Go. Okay, so uh, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to me. Um, What I would like to plug is uh, this marvellous podcast that I've been listening to called The Importance of Staying Earnest. (laughs) I think that the people conducting it are some cracking people. And obviously, if you're listening now, great. If if you're listening to this because a friend has told you to listen to it, give them a hug, give them a high five, because they gave a fantastic recommendation. And if you haven't told your friends about this podcast, go go out and bloody tell 10 people. (laughs) It was it was hard it was hard to cut you off there, Lewis. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so so much for chatting to us. It's it's really nice to catch up and hear about some of the things you've been up to over the. That is my absolute pleasure. Yeah, man, it's been it's been wicked. Man, it was good to catch up with Lewis. I haven't seen that guy in ages. Uh, he hasn't changed a bit from what I, from what I've heard of it. Um, I don't know if there was something that you wanted to talk specifically about that yes. uh, within there. Yeah, I think I Shoot. wanted to touch back on to what ended up kind of being a theme throughout the episode and not a particularly nice one, like it is a slightly heavy one. But that's the sort of exploitation of people who are trying to start out in, and I think this is applicable to mm. a lot of industries, but specifically oversubscribed industries. Um because I think there's this perception of, well, people would, you know, um, oh, what's the film called? Devil yeah. Wears Prada. You know, the assistant role. And it's like, oh, I, millions of people would yeah. kill for this job and you should be working 24-7 uh-huh. and yeah. you need to do impossible tasks. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it's... I can see where this is going. Yeah, I, I think there's almost this idea that that's what's expected of people who are starting Mm. out in these industries um obviously that is an over exaggeration but you get the idea and that can come in all sorts of forms whether it's like that being expected to essentially give up your life for (laughs) for this job um or whether it's like lewis touched on people being um abused and propositioned in order to get what they want or people and I I really really felt for Lewis when he was talking about this you know starting out as an actor your agent is supposed to be someone who helps provide a voice for you especially as someone who's starting out there the rock that you're tethered to exactly and so for him for of all people to to kind of um almost stab him in the back really for it to be them, I think that's awful. And so I'm really glad that he's like in a better position now with a better agent and yeah. also has the confidence to, to raise his own voice a bit more. Um, and I think I think it's really hard. And I think one of the reasons it's so hard is it be- it relies on all of these people who are starting out, just like us, just like the people we've spoken to on this podcast, having mm. the confidence to set boundaries and to say no and when I'm saying all this I don't I don't mean um 
you know, don't work hard, don't do that thing every now and then that's above and beyond to, you know, impress and stuff like that. But I think there's a line between working hard and working to impress and being exploited. And yeah, that's what sure. needs to and stop. And I think when you're... what What's tricky about that is, obviously, there's the kind of, you know, ad infinitum of, oh, it's just to get to that next step, that next step. But mm. as I think we mentioned, it's something that you can see at every level of the of of the industry which needs to be i think i think it's i think we're taking steps to to move it but the bottom of the ladder is i mean you know as we said one of the reasons we started this is because the bottom of the ladder is slightly more in shadow yeah um and you see it you know everywhere uh, at this at this level and you don't want to see it because no. most people who start out are dreamers in that sense like they want to do well and also and a lot of people starting out don't have the financial backing to say no to jobs no. don't have no. the experience behind them to be able to afford to have a bad rep or anything like this and um unfortunately when you're starting out you're more replaceable in certain ways obviously not yeah. not as a person um, yeah in, in a job compared to people who are higher up that food chain because you know for example in tv the industry i work in at the moment runners are a dime a dozen like there's a million people okay that's an exaggeration yep. you know what i mean there's a lot of yep. people i know exactly what you mean. um looking to do these entry-level roles and so if you say no i want to be paid a fair wage and actually this is quite a big conversation happening at the moment um i belong to a lot of facebook groups which is where a lot of people network and and get um, like dailies as runners on on jobs um and there's a big big movement of saying no to unpaid work because it happens a lot people yeah. will say oh but it's work experience work experience great but when work experience becomes a long period of time of you not just shadowing and yeah of course doing some bits of work but you know learning while you're there and getting something out of it yourself if it is just you doing the job without being paid particularly for any more than a few days that's exploitation and it also perpetuates this culture of being able to get people to do it for free and so productions won't budget in for a runner because they'll go oh we'll get someone to do it on work experience and that's not fair yeah, it's a it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot, mm. and I think I would be surprised to find anyone who started out who would say no to the idea that no matter what level it, you're at, you deserve you know pay for your work, uh, especially especially in those positions when you're starting out because you don't have the the stability of 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 anything else really. Um, yeah, it's it's a thoroughly important conversation that should not be contained within this last five minutes no. of this episode. Um, no, I think it's something it. that we'll very much, and I think it's something we'll touch on again. Yeah. But I think opening the conversation, I think we're in a better position than we've been in a long time, mm. uh, especially in this industry where those conversations are being heard or with a lot of mediums being, you know, free to everyone. There's not a lot of gatekeeping to be done. I mean, look at us on here, right? We can say these things, we can have these conversations, which I don't think could be had before. So I'm, I'm positive. I'm optimistic. Yeah. Um, We're able to build which ourselves is often quite a strange now me. with, you know, these days of technology. Exactly. Um. <laughs> For all its faults. Yes. Yeah, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a really important conversation, and it's one that I'm really glad has started, um, and it's one that I hope will continue. Yeah. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to The Importance of Staying Earnest. If you want to keep up with us outside of the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TIOSE underscore podcast or on Facebook at The Importance of Staying Earnest podcast. If you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at TIOSE.podcast at gmail.com. Please drop us a review if you enjoyed and we'll see you next time. Thank you.